5: Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Straight Fire with Jason
0: McIntyre.
6: What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire! for Monday, July 18th. Hope everybody had a phenomenal weekend. Mine was spectacular, utterly spectacular. We'll get to it in a moment. I know you care about hashtag dad life. If you follow me on Instagram, you already know the kind of stuff I'm going to talk about in a second. But first, I'm told by producer Rob that I need to probably open with Rory McElroy getting beat by a guy with a mullet at the British Open, A.K.A. the Open, over the weekend. I'm sorry, I did not see one shot. I did not bet on it. I know that makes me a bad person, right? As a gambler, I, I'm sorry. Like summer, you got to take time off. Who can gamble all the freaking time? Like I, I just, I, I don't know how you could do that and have a life and have a wife and have two kids and try to be as active as I am. Uh, I sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't watch the Open. I did watch all the LeBron highlights. And we will talk about it in depth with our our guest, Mark Medina. He's back. He was in the building, as they say, for the Drew League where LeBron showed up and Kyrie Irving was supposed to. Yeah, we're going to go there. Sorry. I know. You guys are sick of me bashing Kyrie Irving. I'm sorry. What can I say? I hosted the Herd radio uh, show with Chris Boussard on Friday. And, man, I guess the Herd audience thought I was too harsh on Kyrie and really coming after me. You guys are upset. Listen, I'm sorry. What can I say? I I just, I'm out on the guy. Prove it. Prove it, Kyrie, that you want to be a team player and a winner and you want to commit to playing basketball instead of all this ancillary side stuff. Prove it. That's all you got to do. In other news, for my Southern California friends who listen to the podcast, I need to give a shout out to this place called Wild Rivers, uh, a new water park that just opened. My wife, who basically does a great job at finding cool stuff to do because she's, you know, savvy with that the internet. She, she knows how to kind of navigate it and find the, the best things out there. And this water park opened like two weeks ago, a soft opening. And it's not even fully complete. Like two of the rides were not, or one or two of the rides were not open. And we were able to go. It was not overly packed. It was not like a CD crowd. You know, sometimes the water parks, they serve alcohol and people are liquored up. And by three o'clock there's fights and expletives. None of that stuff. It was, it was awesome. Made a little video with my daughter, teaching her how to create videos online. And it was just an awesome time. And, you know, I tried to heal up for Sunday's basketball game, the the, the showdown of the top two teams in the dad league. I know you guys are thrilled hearing about this. And it was a team we beat by 30 earlier this year, but they didn't have their other guard and one other good player. So we didn't think like, oh, we won by 30. But problem is we had a bunch of guys injured and out this week. And I, of course, you know, busted my eye open last week again and the wife was like you know why don't you just take it easy for a little while and the doctor was like or the plastic surgeon guy who said you don't need stitches this time but take it easy for a little while i was like all right i'll take a few days off but then we had a guy bow out we can't just have five so we only had six and i was like all right i'm not gonna start i'm not gonna play a lot you know i still got a bit of a shiner i did the herd last week with cowherd for two days and you know a black eye on tv you couldn't really tell um but I, I, you don't want to get it busted open again. So I, di- I didn't. I went in not wanting to play a lot, and we open the game destroying this team thirty to ten. We're up like fifteen at the half, and then second half, like three minutes in, this dude. You know, their second best player. You know, they're getting frustrated because we have two bigs, Dane Christ. I've talked about him. The former Notre Dame quarterback is on our team. He's just, he's just dominant. And we have this other guy. Uh, this guy who played briefly in Germany six five he's just he's awesome talent nice guy too um michael and so they're getting frustrated and this is happening like every week guys are like coming at us so a guy who was filling in for us because we didn't have enough dudes um one of my buddies who's a really good basketball player point guard he dane passes out of a triple team for this guy to get an easy layup and one of their players comes on and does the zaza patchouli you know how he sticks his foot under to Kawhi Leonard, remember that? This guy comes in, it's like a wide open lane, but he just gets right in the guy's landing spot. And he turns his ankle and he comes out. I'm like, dude, Justin, you good? He's like, "Uh, I don't know. Like a minute later, I was like, you ready to come in? He's like, I'm done. So we only had five guys for the final 15 minutes. Of course, the other team makes a furious comeback. We're worn down. You know, we're old dads. Are all in our 30s and 40s, and they're you know they've got the young kid who's like 23 years old thinks he's amazing and he's pretty he's talented but he doesn't know how to play basketball you know setting screens talking um, he, he he I, I face guarded their second best player denied him the ball and then their hot dog would basically just come down and do like some James Harden side step three you know and like sure you're gonna make two or three of those but you're also gonna miss like ten of them and he just did a bunch of nonsense and we ended up winning by like six or seven good game and you know one of their nice guys that I've talked to throughout the season because he comes to like the other games and scouts is like oh we'll see you in the championship I'm like dude we didn't have half our team <laughs> I didn't want to say you're dead but as long as the rest of our guys show we will win the championship and and, and again I know you want to get to Mark Medina just one quick thing why I'm so into this is my buddy uh, a buddy of mine who I grew up with went to Notre Dame and played soccer he was like captain of the soccer team I mean he's an awesome player his son is a Big time talent. He is playing for uh, the, the Philadelphia Union Academy team. He's playing up. Like I mean, this guy's he's gonna be something. I don't know if he's a U.S. national team member, but he'll be in the pool for sure. Anyways, so my buddy joins this soccer league outside outside Philadelphia, and you know, like ten years ago. And he played at Notre Dame, so obviously he knows, like, good soccer players. So they start a team and win the championship and win the championship. And he tells me, like, we, we started a dynasty. and <laughs> they, they won every year but one. And they're, like, just reloading every year the way Alabama football does. And we're going to build that in this league. I'm just telling you right now. I don't know if any of the other guys in the league listen. We got, like, 10 other dudes who are itching to play. And we'll just get a team together, and we're going to win this every year. And it's not like we got any young guys. I don't think we have any guys under 35. And if we need to, we'll recruit under thirty-five. But I like the idea of building a dynasty, even if even if I am not. And I had a bad game Sunday. You know, I went in not wanting contact. I didn't want the eye to get hit, so I like stayed out of the lane. Didn't do it. I didn't even get. I mean, I got to, like four shots, missed them all. Just playing defense and passing the ball to our bigs and let them go to work. Um, but I just, folks, I love basketball. I am sorry, I just love playing it. I, uh, I like you. Some guys tell me they like to run, you know, and I am like, okay. So I went through a running phase during COVID when like everything was locked down. Running was fine, but you're like running against yourself. It's not exciting to me. I like competing with other people. Um, And we were when we led these guys thirty to ten. Dane had an awesome block, and then we hit ahead to the guy Michael, our uh, probably our best overall player, and then he lays it up and and one, and I just yell ah, and our team was so fired up. And I know this sounds super nerdy, but guys, it's fun. Listen. I don't want to get too philosophical. You got one life. You got to have fun. Enjoy it. You got to have as much fun as you can. And I'm telling you right now, I will have as much fun as humanly possible. All right, let's get to our guest. He is Mark Medina, NBA.com. And he's a Fox Sports Radio NBA insider.
2: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
3: Hi, checking in for...
2: Or the perfect table.
3: Hey, where are you? Coming!
5: know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports.
6: I know what sports fans want,
5: but for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say,
1: I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy.
6: All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire, a guy you know well. He was here recently, but he was so good we got to bring him back. Plus, he had a front row seat for LeBron at the Drew League on Saturday, Mark Medina, NBA.com and now Fox Sports Radio NBA insider. Mark, how good was your Saturday, huh?
9: Jason, it was uh, it was a zoo, just kind of like with the entire NBA season. I thought, you know, things would settle down after getting back from Las Vegas with Summer League, but you know what? Free agency hasn't been resolved, and the NBA offseason as a whole hasn't been resolved. So it just seemed par for the course. LeBron James would show up at the Drew League, and also, we were all under the impression that Kyrie Irving would show up. But just like his availability during the regular season with the Nets, uh, that is something that became in question.
6: Yes, yes, you, you love it. We'll get to Kyrie in a sec. But first of all, I want to find out, Mark, so when did you first get when this was going down? Um, just talk me through the whole thing, because it, I, I read something that the, the capacity at the gym is like 2,300, but there were like 4,500 people in there. Uh, I just want to know like, how it all came together. Um, you know, how, to, how did you get in his media, all that fun stuff?
9: Yeah, well, first off, shout out to uh, Chris Sands with Yahoo and Dave McMenamin with ESPN. You know, they had reported that LeBron James was playing to play in the Drew League. And, you know, Dave had mentioned that Kyrie Irving was confirmed as well. And this came from, you know, the Drew League commissioner, Dino Smiley. So, you know, look, I drove over there. I've been to the Drew League over the years, ever since 2011, when it became basically a hotbed for NBA players to play some hoop during the NBA lockout. But this is a league. Uh, in Los Angeles, that has been around since 1973, and it's part of my summer routine of, you know, occasionally going every weekend just to check out NBA guys coming in. So I knew the lay of the land, but I also knew that with LeBron James expected in attendance, that it would be a zoo. And to your point, um, you know, I talked with Dino Smiley afterwards, and he said that people were showing up as early as the uh, as early as 6:30 a.m. When the security guards opened the building Um, in total, about 2,500 fans attended the gym's capacity at King Drew uh, High School is 1,300. So they may have violated some fire codes here, but, you know, it was all contained. But, yeah, it was it was a festive atmosphere because of LeBron. You know, it really felt like uh, some version of Crypto.com Arena with Laker fans going crazy with. Uh, The sight of LeBron James, anytime he made a dunk, anytime he made a three, there were so many luminaries as well with LeVar Ball dapping him up as soon as he took the court. And then, you know, guys like Draymond Green, um, Talon Horton Tucker, Montrez Harrell were on the sideline. And then on the court, you know, LeBron James was playing with DeMar DeRozan. So it was uh,
6: almost the ultimate what if
9: if they wound up uh, joining forces last season with the Lakers.
6: (laughs) An obvious question from a lot of people, Mark. Why would LeBron play in this game? What like I don't know if he's played in Drew since what the lockout was it? He hasn't played since 2011.
9: Yeah. Well, I think there's a, there's a few reasons. Few mm. of them are practical, few of them I think are political. I think the ah, practical yes. I think go. the practical part is look, uh, he's trying to get ready for the season. Uh, he he came off of a season where he didn't have a clean bill of health and so I think that this was his way of testing to see how well he felt. And he looked like the LeBron James that we're all accustomed to seeing. Um, And then I think he also, from the political end, I know that, you know, the Drew League means a lot to Los Angeles. So for him to be there, I think it was sending a message that there's this, you know, devotion to the Lakers this season and possibly moving forward. He's eligible for an extension in August. So I can't help but read between the lines. And the other element is that, um, there was an expectation that Kyrie Irving would show up. And while they were, there weren't plans for them to play in the same game, no doubt there would be so many of those parallels and potential questions. And this wasn't just conjecture. This is what truly Commissioner Dini, Dino Smiley was under the impression after talking to Kyrie's reps that he would wind up playing in a game at 11 a.m. and time kept passing. And he was a no-show, and there was no explanation on why that happened. So it was kind of a very fitting considering Kyrie's season.
6: Interesting. I didn't put that together, the he's an L.A. guy. And and I thought of, as you said, that Jeannie Buss' tweet about Kobe, the greatest Laker. And I wonder, is this was this, you think, in any way, shape, or form, a message to Jeannie Bus? Hey, by the way, I'm an L.A. guy too. Look, I'm going to pack the Drew League. I'm going to dominate social media for the day. And, oh, by the way, that guy you don't want, we don't think, Kyrie Irving, he wants to play with me as well.
9: Yeah, I don't know if the devotion to L.A. was a direct message to Jeannie Boss. I think it was basically a direct message to everyone. But I think that the point about Kyrie, I think that's a direct message to the Lakers organization. And look, you know, speaking of Jeannie Boss, I was able to chat with her for a pretty lengthy interview in Las Vegas, all on the record for a and a about, you know, just everything about the season. And I think to Jeannie's credit, while obviously she can't speak specifics because of the tampering rules, um, you know, I asked her a lot of things that, you know, people can read between the lines when it yeah. comes to major moves. I asked her straight up, do you expect a major move? She says, I wouldn't be surprised with anything. But she made it clear that in her eyes, uh, the work is not done. There's still a lot of work that the front office has to do. And while she expressed her full confidence in Rob Pelink and everyone else in basketball operations – it's her expectation that they're going to be aggressive. I even press further about where does she stand on the kind of the philosophy of, you know, how do you value draft picks and other assets versus making a major deal? And she brought up the Anthony Davis trade, uh, in the sense that the Lakers had to give up a lot to get him, but it was worth uh the cost because it resulted in a championship in 2020. Yeah. And I think philosophically, that's what she's looking at here. So I think if you connect the dots, I think she's of the mind that she's pushing the Lakers front
6: office as well to go all in. So is your vibe that she wants Kyrie front office wants Kyrie, LeBron wants Kyrie? I do
9: think so, but I think where there's a little bit of mixed feelings of, you know, where do you draw the line in terms of how many draft picks are you giving up? I think that the Lakers will be willing to give up with one draft pick, but you know, once you're adding multiple draft picks and you have to take certain players' salary back, that's where I think the discussion gets muddled a little bit. And look, I, I think I have to be clear of one thing. It's not like the Lakers are incredibly enamored with Kyrie Irving. They do have their own questions, as everyone else, about, about his availability and his leadership. I think that there's some relative optimism because LeBron James is who he is and he has history with Kyrie that they can manage that part. But I think that this uh, interest in Kyrie is basically in the context of this failed Lakers season and, you know, Russell Westbrook's fit. And so while the Lakers certainly publicly and privately have talked about, hey, Russ can have a better season because presumably he'll play more than 21 games with LeBron James Anthony Davis. And he'll look better under Darvin Ham than he could under Frank Vogel. And he'll be more willing to buy in with what Darvin wants and what Frank wanted um this is an acknowledgement that there is skepticism about russ's fit so i think when you connect all these dots jason it's the equivalent i was talking about vegas the lakers are uh the is the person at the poker table where they made some you know gambling misdecisions. they decided to gamble on their house and put it on the table and they lost it and the only way to get that back is to put their car up for collateral so it's not ideal but it's almost one of those things do you really
6: have any other choice Well, the problem is, Mark, is LeBron is the one who forced them to get Russ. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm not saying that Palenka wanted DeMar DeRozan or whoever, but by all accounts, it was LeBron who was pushing for Russ. Speaking of, so something went down at Summer League where LeBron went to a game in Vegas, and I don't know all the details. Maybe you do. You know, Russ apparently came in the arena, said hi to everybody, and had no contact with LeBron. Is that true? Did this really happen where they didn't even make eye contact and they were in the same gym?
9: Yeah. Well, look, I wasn't at Vegas during that time, but the telecast caught all of it. They were on opposite sides of the court. There was no dapping up, no exchanges. And look, you juxtapose that to last summer during Summer League. They were hanging out. They're being buddy-buddy. They're posting... Uh, images on their Instagram accounts of their off-season workouts. So this wasn't, you know, uh, a coincidence by any means. There are some practical measures here of, you know, Russ, even though it's clear that, you know, he would be fine with getting dealt here. He's also trying to send a message of aligning himself with Darvin, him getting involved with the team huddles and being kind of uh, this source of uh, encouragement for the summer league guys where, you know, LeBron, was having a detached uh, mindset just because, I mean, I don't think he was saying a message other than that's usually what star players do. They don't try to get overly involved with the summer league team. So it was almost kind of Russ's efforts to try to be involved even more. So, but the reality is they easily could have embraced, they easily could have made small talk acknowledge, and that didn't happen whatsoever.
6: Mark, is it okay to really like LeBron and root for him? And I think he's the best player in the history of the league. And to also think this last three weeks has been pretty dirty and ugly toward Russell Westbrook. (laughs) And I've been a guy bashing Russ. I said he was a terrible fit and he can't shoot and blah, blah, blah. But it just feels a little dirty. and like I can't believe I'm saying this. I feel a little bad for Russell Westbrook, the way he's being treated here, after they moved heaven and earth to bring him in last summer. Well, hey,
9: look, I think from a big picture standpoint with LeBron, obviously there's a lot of admirable qualities with how he plays the game, his success, what he's done in the community. But, you know, there are a lot of elements of him having, you know, a lot of uh, politics and ulterior motives. And this is kind of par for the course. But as far as feeling bad for Russell Westbrook, it's hard for me to lend the sympathy card for him simply because when he wanted to go to the Lakers, he knew what he was signing up for and he knew from talking to LeBron James, Anthony Davis, the Lakers front office, Lakers coach Frank Vogel, that, look, uh, we're going to try to tap into what makes you great as a future Hall of Famer, but there's also going to be sacrifice involved. And Russ did not live up to that. And he didn't take any accountability or show any signs of leadership uh, during the ups and downs last season. And look, like from all accounts, uh, Russ is a great guy as far as you know what he is to the community what he is off the court but from the you know strict parameters that we're evaluating you know players on the court and their performances he did not show any semblances of leadership last season so because of that it's hard for me to really feign sympathy especially because you know after Frank Vogel's firing he he I think you know kicked himself a little bit while he was down and acting like Frank didn't embrace him or try to put him in a, in a position to succeed and while certainly the Lakers front office thought that Frank Vogel had some shortcomings, I think overstated because the majority of it had to do with injuries and a flawed roster. It's not like Frank was a perfect coach, but I think that he came in with the right intentions in finding ways to make Russ effective. And with exception of bringing him off the bench entirely, he spun every single scenario around the wheel. And just with exception for a handful of games, uh, Russ did not play well. And look, you know, 21 games with, LeBron and AD uh, LeBron and AD doesn't help. But even though in those 21 games, I didn't see really uh, assurances that this trio would work. And I didn't see a lot of assurances that Russ would be doing his part to try to make it work. So while LeBron isn't immune from those criticism from a big picture lens and overall, uh, when it pertains to Russell Westbrook, I think he only has himself to blame.
5: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
7: I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
8: I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast is.
6: All right, so I largely agree with all of that. I don't know why all of a sudden I have sympathy for Russ because you're right. No real leadership last season, Mark. But you just said LeBron, AD, and Russ, 21 games. How many did Joel Embiid and uh, James Harden get?
9: I don't know off the top of my head, but it was— It's uh,
6: a similar number, right? It's a similar number, yeah. And everybody's excited about the potential for them working together. Hey, the pick-and-roll worked last year. Wait till we get a full season. Are we not giving and again? I have been crushing Russ for how bad he was. I thought he should have come off the bench. But do you think that maybe they should get a few more games together?
9: I don't think so. But I think the larger point is that you're making is this isn't just Russ's fault, right? While there are things that he needs to take accountability for and fail to do so. Um, I think that there's a lot of feelings uh, within the Lakers that, you know what, Anthony Davis didn't hold up his end of the bargain. While maybe that might be unfair to him to some degree because he is an injury-prone player and injuries happen, there is a feeling that he hasn't done his part with his training routine and his preventative work to, you know, give himself the best odds of having a clean bill of health. When you juxtapose that with LeBron James, yes, he's he's had his own issues with injury. Lots of of it just being the fact that he's entering his 20th season and the injuries that he's had, they were freak injuries, but uh, I think that it's taken him longer to come back from them. But when he's been on the floor, he's been LeBron James, where in Anthony Davis's case, a lot of these injuries have taken a lot longer than anticipated for him to return from. And when he is on the court, he hasn't been the same player as he was during his first season with the Lakers where He and LeBron James just seemed like this unstoppable one two duo. And particularly in the NBA bubble, you know, keep in mind during the NBA finals, there's actually legitimate debate, myself included, wondering after the first two games, could Anthony Davis win finals MVP? He was playing that dominant. And now, granted, the rest of the series, LeBron James kicked it up an even bigger notch. AD had some minor injuries that he had to deal with, but he still played a really good series. Fast forward two years now, he is not the same aggressive, effective player that he once was. I think that AD means well. I'm sure that he'll try to rectify those things, but these last two seasons, even when he would count for injuries, he has not lived up to the potential he has uh, You know, with his amazing talent of being able to be this dominant big man, this guy that could shoot outside and be one of the best defenders in the NBA. Uh,
6: one more Lakers question, Mark. Robert Ori has a podcast, and his host had said to him uh, last week, hey, so Kevin Durant's on the market. If you're the Lakers, do you trade LeBron for Kevin Durant? And Robert Ori's like, of course you do. No doubt. No, no questions asked. And it's interesting because I hadn't given it much thought, and I I can't see a world where the Lakers do that, but – Kevin Durant is, I believe, almost four years younger, and he's locked in for four more years, whereas LeBron, we know in two years, he's leaving to play with his son wherever his son goes. So, I don't know. I know it's left field. It seems like a pie in the sky. Probably not going to happen. That being said, I got to ask, what do you think? Kevin Durant for LeBron, you think there's anything there? Would you do it if you were the Lakers? I would do it. The only pause I
9: would have with making that deal is while obviously LeBron James is a lot older, I think that, for example, he's more equipped to hold someone like Kyrie Irving accountable, where obviously with Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie, you know, really enabled Kyrie or Kevin really enabled whatever Kyrie wanted to do. They're buddy buddies. That's fine. And this isn't a knock on Kevin. I think that he's been an amazing player. He's been very available But, you know, he'll be the first to admit that his leadership style is more by example, and he doesn't uh, try to flex his influence in the locker room. He just is a guy that punches in, punches out. But I think when it comes to Kyrie, you need someone like LeBron who, you know, will hold him accountable. But I think from a talent standpoint, no doubt. Uh, But that being said, I don't think the Nets would accept that trade. I think that they've been asking – for a lot more assets than just LeBron James straight up. So yeah. I think that's where this whole idea of Kevin ever getting to the Lakers, it's just a non-starter. The, no, the negotiations no, no, no. that they've had, you know, substantially have obviously been involving Kyrie Irving and what it would take with that. And that's been yeah, complicated
6: Le- enough. LeBron would hate that too. But the Nets would not be committed to a long LeBron future. All right, let's quickly wrap up, Mark, with Donovan Mitchell and the impending trade, I saw a funny headline that Donovan Mitchell, his asking price is New York wants everything short of the Statue of Liberty to be thrown <laughs> into the deal. Um, I, I, listen, I like Donovan Mitchell. He's had some good playoff uh, experiences. He's been a leader on the Jazz. I also think he has zero All-NBA nods. Now, I know the guard situation is tough in the league, but I, if you're not All-NBA, are you a top 15 player? It's like... uh, So now we're talking about five or six first-round picks plus, I don't know, Grimes and whoever, quickly, whatever. Uh, For a guy who's never been All-NBA and has been an All-Star three times, uh, it it seems like a lot on the surface, but I don't know. If you're the Knicks, you're desperate. You probably end up doing five first-round picks for Mitchell, right?
9: Yeah, it's tough because remember, the Knicks uh, went down this road about 11 years ago where they got Carmelo Anthony, mm-hmm. but to get Carmelo Anthony, they basically gutted the roster. And while there was some success that Carmelo Anthony had with the Knicks with a few playoff appearances, when he first got there, they didn't really have much mm-hmm. of a supporting cast here. I think the Knicks, they're better well run now. It's much different management, but it is owned by James Dolan still. But that being said, I think that there is a tough line to draw because I think that philosophically, the Knicks should try to get Donovan Mitchell. I think that's ultimately what will happen. But keep in mind, this is Danny Ainge that we're talking about. He extracted so much value in that trade uh, to uh, deal Rudy Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves that he's going to be trying to do the same thing, if not more. And this is in line with what he did with the Boston Celtics. When he broke up those veterans, he wound up collecting so many draft picks that wound up setting the Celtics up to where they are now that resulted in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So I I don't know exactly where the line the Knicks need to cross, but they have to keep in mind this thing. It's not just about how great Donovan Mitchell could be on that team, presumably with Jalen Brunson, but who are the players that they're going to uh that he's going to be pairing up with because if it's just those two guys and a bunch of random role players you're repeating the mistakes of the mellow trade you have well, I to did draw see, a line somewhere
6: it, it looks like the jazz don't want rj barrett or or aren't demanding him and then i don't think they want randall and his salary so so now you're looking at okay well brunson mitchell barrett and randall i mean that's similar to like a dame and cj thing in the west a few years back that had a you know, five or six playoff appearances, one run to the conference finals. Like that's a pretty good nucleus. If you're the Knicks in the East, I mean, you're certainly top six. Right? Yeah. Look, yeah. Look, I think that's a, that that
9: would certainly be a great uh, roster combination. And look, the Portland Trailblazers had some shortcomings, but I think one of the underrated parts of that time with Damian Lillard and CJ McComb is that they're, I think one of only six teams that made so many consecutive playoff appearances. They did get to the Western conference finals in 2019, they got swept by the Golden State Warriors, right, yeah. even though they didn't have Kevin Durant. But look, compared to the Knicks, you know, before where they've always been dysfunctional and uh, all that, having consistent playoff appearances it is a net success. And if then, if you can build off of that, worry about that later. But you have to talk about what has been happening recently. And what's been happening recently is they underachieved this season. They thought they finally turned a corner after making the playoffs last season. Now it looks like they're stuck in mud. And this is a move that would help propel them to that next tier. They're not going to be the ultimate elite tier, but you have to have a starting point somewhere.
6: Yeah. And a lot of people will be like, well, wait a sec. You're not winning a championship with Mitchell and Brunson, two small guards and Barrett and Randall. Okay, fine. But how about a playoff series? I yeah. mean, Mark, look, this century, as I know, I'm a Knicks fan, they have one playoff series win with Carmelo. That's it. Yep. That's all. Yeah, I mean, about, that's nothing. Yeah.
9: Make the play in tournament, make the yeah, playoffs, win the a playoffs. first round series, and then get from there. You
6: have to yeah. at least get invited to the dance first. And people forget, like, things happen in the playoffs. Like, injuries happen. Like, I mean, you saw the Warriors this year. They got a little lucky. I mean, John ja Morant goes down in the middle of the series, you know? Uh, Suns choke. Chris Paul vanishes. Like things happen, things break your way. Like just you got to get to the playoffs, right, Mark? A hundred percent.
9: Once the playoffs start, like I don't want to say it's a blank slate, but there's so many extenuating circumstances and timing issues that at that point, you know, really anything can happen.
6: Uh, we'll wrap up with um, Kevin Durant. I I I I thought last week that maybe he wouldn't go anywhere, and it's starting to look like. Maybe he doesn't, but if this Kyrie Russ thing happens, would they definitely still not trade KD? I, I don't know. What's your vibe on Kevin Durant here mid July. Yeah. Look,
9: when I was in Vegas, you know, the handful of coaches I, and executives I talked to had mixed feelings on one hand, they felt like, you know what, in a few hours, a deal could happen. And then in the same breath are like, but you know, there might not be a resolution just before training camp starts. So it's really that unpredictable, and it's that unsettling. Uh, to answer your question about Russ, there's no way that the Nets would have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook as teammates. So I think if if that Kyrie Irving trade goes through, that's a sign that Kevin Durant's the first domino, or vice versa. There's some feelings that they're going to handle the Kevin Durant trade yeah. first, because you know that's more complicated, and Kyrie's market has frankly just been the Lakers. But yeah, we're not going to see a Katie-Russ reunion when you're looking at last week's development, the other wrinkle that kind of complicates this is the DeAndre Ayton mm, yeah. free agency decision. With you know the fact that the Phoenix Suns decided to match that restricted offer uh, from the Indiana Pacers, you know from a from a league st- uh, rule standpoint, they can now not trade them until January 15th. So that complicates a lot of other things because there was a feeling that DeAndre Ayton, in some way, shape, or form wouldn't be involved with a Kevin Durant trade. It, maybe it wouldn't be a team-for-team team swap, but it would involve a third or fourth team. And now that that domino's settled, uh, who knows what the next dominoes that could be related. Maybe it's the Donovan Mitchell deal where this is all tied together, but we'll see. It's It's been a pretty unpredictable offseason, to say the least.
6: All right, Mark, thanks for taking the time. Glad you survived the LeBron-Drew League experience. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Uh, Jason, I
0: appreciate you as always.
2: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex.
4: MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is